Good morning, everyone. How's everyone doing? Awesome. Great to hear. My name is Vinny. I am one of the lead shepherds here at Flourishing Grace, and I have uh, the honor to uh, lead in that way, but uh, also get to uh, hang out with students every week as well. So that's kind of uh, how I serve here at Flourishing Grace. I have a fun time, and they get to keep me young and uh, get to run around and uh, teach these guys a little bit and uh, learn scripture. And they teach, they teach me all the new slang words as well. So I think uh, in my 40s, I get to kind of talk pretty cool and try to be pretty cool. My kids are both shaking their heads here. Uh, so we'll, we'll, we'll get right into it. But uh, today, guys, we will be in, uh, in Proverbs 4, 1 through 9. It's page 589 in the Blue Bible. So if you guys don't have a Bible, please go ahead and turn to page 589. And uh, we will get going in, uh, in honor and reverence to our Lord and Savior here at Flourishing Grace. We believe this is the word of the Lord. So if you are able to stand, please stand with me while I read our scripture for today. A father's wise instruction. Hear, O sons, a father's instruction, and be attentive that you may gain insight. For I give you good precepts, do not forsake my teaching. When I was a son with my father, tender, the only one in the sight of my mother, he taught me and said to me, let your heart hold fast my words, keep my commandments and live. Get wisdom, get insight, do not forget and do not turn away from the words of my mouth. Do not forsake her and she will keep you, love her and she will guard you. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. And whatever you get, get insight. Prize her highly, and she will exalt you. She will honor you if you embrace her. She will place on your head a graceful garland. She will bestow on you a beautiful crown. This is the word of the Lord. Please have a seat. Well, good morning, Flourishing Grace. Uh, if we haven't met, my name is Josh Gardner. I'm the minister to students uh, here at Flourishing Grace. Um, and so I get to hang out with Vinny all the time, uh, which is good. Um, but um, we are cont- uh, starting. This happened last gathering, too. Yeah, there we go. Cool. Uh, so we are starting a new series uh, this morning called Kingdom Wisdom. Um, and I'm super excited about this series for myself uh, this summer um, because we are going to be looking at uh, basically different aspects of our lives and see how God calls us to live and be a part of and change uh, what we believe about certain things and live into what he has for us in all aspects of our lives. But before we get into it, I just want to say one thing. Uh, I want to just encourage and pray over uh, the dads in the room uh, this morning, um, because Father's Day um, is this time where we can uh, we can uh, celebrate dads and just praise you and thank you for all of the things that you do for your kids. Um, but also, sometimes it can be a tough day for dads um, because you might feel like you fall short in certain areas of being a father. Uh, you might feel like, man, I, I'm not equipped for certain things in your kids' lives. And the reality is, uh, there are areas of your life where, like you you are not enough for your kids right? But there's a beauty to that because God is enough. And because of the gospel, uh, because of what Jesus has done, 
He actually gives you the power and the ability to walk in a way that you can't on your own. Um, and what I love about that, the fact that we're starting the series today is that this is the wisdom of a father, Solomon, to his son. And it's both, uh, it's both things that are uh, like um, things not to do and things to do, but also a way to live uh, from how he learned from God. Like Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, asked God, or God said, hey, I'll give you anything. He said, I just want wisdom to lead Israel. That's what I want. And so from that, and also from Solomon's mistakes, he reaches down to his kids, to his son, and says, please heed uh, heed what I have. And so my call to you dads is, um, man, in the moments where you just feel um, anxiety, where you feel lost in your parenting, to just cling to Jesus. Cling to Jesus. Because he's the one that gives you strength and the ability and the power uh, to move forward. Um, and know that you don't have to wait or have to be perfect because you're not going to be perfect. You're not. But you can point your kids to the one who is perfect. And there's a beauty to that. I remember growing up, my dad, uh, like in those moments where my parents both repented in front of me about things that they had sinned against me or just God and and in their lives, like that was so impactful to me that they just pointed to Jesus. And so what I want to do is I just want to pray for you dads this morning, and then we'll get into our text. So God, I thank you uh, for the fathers in the room, and um, God, I thank you for uh, just their calling, uh, the calling that you've placed on their lives to make disciples of, of their kids. Um, you called them to love and cherish and, and to self-sacrificially uh, give themselves to um, to their kids and, and to their spouse. And I pray that, um, God, I, pr- I pray that you would, you would help them to cling to Jesus, to trust you in that. And there will be times that are extremely difficult to be a good father. And I pray that in those moments that they would remember the cross, they would remember you, God, that you are the perfect father, that you are good and loving just, and you care for them, and you care more for their kids than they do. And so I just pray that they would trust you in this time. God, would you bless them today? Would you give them joy with their families as they celebrate together? We love you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Um, Well, like I said, we are starting a new series called Kingdom Wisdom, and so uh, we're going to be spending the rest of the summer uh, talking about different aspects of our lives. We're going to be talking about uh, money, sex, work, different areas of our lives in which God calls us to live in the way of the kingdom. And if you've been around at Flourishing Grace for a little bit, you know we just went through a series of series uh, about what we value and what we pursue here at Flourishing Grace. And one of our pursuits at Flourishing Grace is that we, are, um, we pursue the kingdom, the kingdom of God, right? That's one of our pursuits is that we strive after and we run towards the kingdom of God. We see that Jesus tells us, don't be anxious about anything, but uh, seek first the kingdom of God, right? Seek first God's kingdom and everything else will be okay, right? We can trust him in it. Um, And so, as we think about how we can be a people who pursue the kingdom of God and and pursue the king, Jesus, right? That Jesus who brought us into this kingdom. He brought us from death to life. And now because of him, we're not citizens of the kingdom of the world, but we're actually, our citizenship citizenship is transferred to the kingdom of God. 
And God actually calls us heirs. Like we are royalty. We are heirs in the kingdom of God. So now in that, God moves in us and transforms us to make us more like Jesus so that we can go out into the kingdom of the world, into the rest of the world who does not know Jesus, and be a light, be ambassadors, be people who show off our king. Like that is something that we pursue in our lives because we know that it brings God glory and it brings others from death to life. So as I was kind of thinking about that, uh, my wife and I just went to, kind of did a trip uh, to a couple different uh, parks in um, California and we went to Yosemite. Um, And Yosemite is super crazy beautiful right now because of all the water and um, the waterfalls are insane. But before we got to Yosemite, we stayed in a town called Mariposa about an hour outside the park. Um, and so we got there a little too late to get into the park um, the night, so we kind of hung out around town and we tried to figure out, you know, kind of the, get the skinny on what to do the next day, like, which I'm glad we did because we found out we have to leave at like 5 a.m. to get there with no line. Uh, and so we're, we're doing all this stuff. And so we go into the shop, we walk in, no one's in there, but there's this lady who's running the shop is in there. And so I walk up to her and say, hey, how's it going? And the moment she says, hello, how are you, blah, 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 the moment she talks, I realized, based on her accent, that she is not from the middle of nowhere, California, okay? Like, it's just probably not. I'm taking a stab here, but probably not. So then she keeps talking. I'm like, yeah, definitely not. And I'm like, Australian, maybe. Like, I'm like, but I'm not going to guess because, you know. Um, And so I just said, hey, based on your accent, you're not from here. Like, where are you from? She's like, I'm from New Zealand. I'm like, oh, cool. And then she just proceeds to tell me about how 30 years ago she moved here and why she moved here and all this stuff. And she just talks about life. And as I was thinking about that, I was thinking about, man, that is a perfect picture of what we as believers, as Christians, should look like to the world. That the moment we talk, the moment we act, the moment someone looks into our lives, they should see something different than what the world is around them. Just like how the moment she spoke, I was like, you're not from here, right? The moment we interact with the world around us, it should be obvious to the people around us that we are not like that we're different, that we're different. And not because we're something special, not because we've done something specific, but because of who our king is, right? As followers of Jesus, it should be obvious to people around us by the way we live, what we pursue, who we are, and what we value, uh, that we are not from this world, that we are different. Or at least we should, we should weird people out, not in a weird way, but we should like, people should be like, what's your deal? You know what I'm saying? Um, and so I think that wisdom, what we see in all throughout Scripture, is that God uses like, wisdom from him to uh, transform and change how we live and what we pursue and who we are to show the world himself, but also to transform our lives to actually be better like, and be successful and be what God intended for our lives. Um, And so, if we want to be people who pursue the kingdom of God, then we have to pursue wisdom. So today, here's what we're going to do, is we're just going to talk about wisdom in general. Because I want to kind of set us up for the rest of the semester, or rest of the semester, golly. Yeah, student ministry. Uh, The rest of the summer, uh, as we move in, uh, as we move in uh, to these different things, man. Um, So, wisdom, just baseline, here's what wisdom is, okay? Wisdom is... The practical skills of understanding and living a successful life, okay? Wisdom is the practical skills of understanding and living 
a successful life. Sometimes we make a mistake of thinking that wisdom is uh, like equals or is the same as knowledge. Right? The more knowledge we have, this happens especially in the West, the more knowledge we have about a subject, we have this wisdom where we'll be able to navigate it. But you know, if you've tried, like you've, I have tried to do the thing where I consume all of the knowledge about a subject and then I walk into it. There's a difference between like YouTube universing, universitying, uh, like welding, you know? You could watch 80 hours of welding videos, but like when you pick up the torch, you know, it's not gonna be great. Um, but we do this, we add uh, we do this where we think that knowledge is uh, kind of equated to wisdom, but the reality is it's not. It's actually like Solomon is here. He's taking, there's no, a knowledge element to it, but he's taking that understanding and he's turning it into practical skills and understanding exactly how we live into a successful life, right? And so when we submit ourselves to God, uh, when we submit ourselves to God and what he has for our lives, um, and we look to him to give us wisdom and how to lead our lives, we reach this abundant, successful life that he intends for us. Right? Jesus says in John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The reality is Jesus, God, wants us to have an abundant and successful life, right? Now, some of you might be squirming because here's where we get in trouble. Like where we get in trouble as Christians is that, that as we start to define that successful life wrong, right? We, dis, we start to define the successful life um, by what the world's definition of a successful life is and not what God's definition is. Right, so we begin to look at the world, and we begin to see, uh, man, if, okay, a successful life is this status at work, or this much money in the bank so that if something happens to me, I'm, I'm, I'm set, or this type of family, or this location that I live, or this is where I retire, or we start to look at the world and go, what the world says is successful, that's what I need to strive after. We do this weird thing where we as Christians, we believe in Jesus. We've been transferred into this other kingdom, but then we do this thing where we, we stand in both kingdoms, right? But the problem is we can't. We can't stand in both kingdoms. We are going to fall, right? So the ways that we do that is we kind of either, so when we define by the world's definition, we either adopt the false wisdom from the world like, so we start looking at, um, because the reality is, wisdom in the world isn't really wisdom. Like, all wisdom comes from our King Jesus. He's the one that created us, designed us, knows exactly how we live. And so, there are things that people say in the world that, are, that are, uh, can be good and helpful, but they aren't wise unto a successful life and glorifying God. Because that's what we were designed for. And so, we begin to adopt this false wisdom from the world. So, whether it's kind of falling after and, and chasing after like, uh, like uh, financial gurus, right? Or social media influencers or success and leadership gurus. Like we start to really consume these things and think if I achieve what this person has, then my life will be satisfied. I will be filled. I will be full. Um, and the reality is we aren't going to achieve it there. Or um, we try, and this is actually a little bit sneakier, and I think a lot of us, including myself, do this all the time, um, is we try to use God's wisdom. Like we take scripture 
And we try to achieve the world's definition of success with this instead of God's definition of success. So we'll kind of staple or put on the wall like a Bible verse or we'll like use scripture out of context all the time to try to feed like our own ego, our own God complex or our own success or our own like what we define as success. And we don't even, the thing that's crazy, this is me too, is we don't even ask God in that moment is what I'm striving for as a successful life, what you actually want for my life. Or is this just something I saw that looks good to me? Right, and so my hope this semester is that we would actually look at our lives, and it's, it's a hard work. Like, I can already kind of tell in the room, there's a little bit of like, ugh, because it's hard, because we have to look at our lives and go, oh, man, like, because it's sneaky. It just happens. The world has, has surrounded us and filled us so much, it's really easy for us to fall into these things easily. So I was thinking through this, like, okay, well, how do we... Um, how do we not fall into this? And what I love is that Solomon, um, again, Solomon made a lot of mistakes, guys. If you look at Solomon's life, like depending on where he was in his life, he, we would not hire him at Flourishing Grace, okay? Uh, depending on where he was in his life, okay? Um, and so like he made a lot of, uh, a lot of dumb decisions uh, and a lot of things that were against a fo- a foolishness is what he talks about in, in here, uh, in uh, the Proverbs. Um, and so he kind of begins uh, with something really important that we need. So before we get into it, flip over to Proverbs chapter 1. Keep your thumb or your finger in 4. Flip over to chapter 1. And Solomon, so here's what he does. He starts off ch- uh, chapter 1 of Proverbs with this concept. And he actually finishes off Ecclesiastes, another wisdom book that he wrote, um, with this same concept. So I'm going to read the Proverbs one. You don't have to flip to Ecclesiastes. I'm going to read that one right after it. But it says this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Right? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. And then in Ecclesiastes, he says, the end of the matter, all has been heard. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every deed into judgment and every secret thing, whether good or evil. So Proverbs is kind of a little bit more uh, like light and uplifting, and here's ways in which God wants to bring things in your life. Ecclesiastes is a little bit more, uh, a lot of people don't like Ecclesiastes. I actually love Ecclesiastes, uh, but it's kind of depressing because it's like everything is vanity, everything is nothingness. But at the end of it, he says, end, at the end of everything, the one thing is to fear God and keep his commandments. Like that's, that's, that is the thing. That's what Solomon gleaned from everything. So at the beginning of the Proverbs, at the end of Ecclesiastes, this is kind of the bookends of those two books, is that he, to fear the Lord, is where we need to start. So you might be asking, okay, what is the fear of the Lord? Because it's not like spooky, like, oh, we're scared. You know, it's not like he jumped out and we're like worried, or we're worried about him like throwing fireballs at us. That's not the, that's not the fear of the Lord. And, and so instead of me trying to explain it, I wanted to bring in uh, a theologian, um, a writer, a pastor, Tim Keller, to kind of read that. I didn't, yeah, anyway. Um, so here it is up on the screen. It says this, Obviously, to be in the fear of the Lord is not to be scared of the Lord. Even though the Hebrew word has overtones of respect and awe, uh, fear in the Bible means to be overwhelmed. 
to be controlled by something. To fear the Lord is to be overwhelmed with wonder before the greatness of God and his love. It means that because of his bright holiness and magnificent love, you find him fearfully beautiful. That is why the more we experience God's grace and forgiveness, the more we experience a trembling and a trembling awe and wonder because of the greatness of all that he is and has done for us. Fearing him means bowing before him out of amazement at his glory and beauty. Okay, so that's what it means to fear the Lord, is to be overwhelmed with wonder by his greatness. Like really, it's just to look at God and see who he is compared to who we are. Like God has created everything seen and unseen. There are things that we will not see with our eyes that God has created that works just perfectly. Like even if you consider how you were made, like I think about just even studying like different aspects of like how your, if you just spent a few minutes studying how like your eyes work or how your brain works, it's like insane. Like God has created all of these crazy things, but he's also created the cosmos, like everything out there that is unseen, like we can't see, it's so far from us. God has created everything. He is overwhelmingly huge. He's also holy and perfect. But at the same time, that same God comes down, puts on flesh, lives a life that you and I could not live, and then dies a death that we deserve. He knows your name. He knows who you are personally. He knows more about you than you know about yourself. And he chose to die for you, raise from the dead, and give you life. God is huge, and yet he did that for you. And this is what it means to be in fear the Lord, in reverent, overwhelmed awe, to be controlled by our just overwhelming awe of him. So as Christians, this should be easy, but for some reason, we just constantly forget. We constantly forget the gospel. Sometimes we think that we have graduated from the gospel. Like, I believed in that, and so now I can like walk into like deeper theology or whatever, but the reality is all of that theology, all of those things, have to be rooted in the gospel, have to be rooted in the fear of the Lord. So if we want to be a people who pursue the kingdom of God, we have to fear the Lord, and we have to know with an overwhelming, uh, with an overwhelming conviction that the king, Jesus, is the source of all wisdom. Like, he is the source of all wisdom. And we need to trust him, right? Um, so, here's what I want to do, is flip back over to Proverbs chapter 4. We're going to spend the rest of our time in here. Um, and really, I just want to point out three things. And, and here's what I want you to do with, with these three things. Is as we're going through the rest of this series, I want you to remember these three things. But also, um, if you don't know, our, our pastor of Preaching and Vision, Josh Knight, he is on sabbatical this summer. Um, and so he is, he is uh, not kicking it at home watching TV, by the way. Um, he is out actually like resting and pursuing Jesus. Like I, I've seen like what he's doing this summer, and, it, and it's awesome. Like he's, he's doing this, where he's putting himself at the, at the feet of Jesus constantly over and over and over again, and allowing Jesus to pour into him and to his family, which is amazing. But for us during the summer, we're, we're wanting to do a similar kind of reflection of that here. And so my hope for us this summer is that the summer always brings a little bit of difference in rhythm, 
right, um, for, for most uh, people. And so my hope is that this summer that you would pursue kingdom wisdom, that you would pursue these different aspects of your life and really ask yourself hard questions, then ask the Holy Spirit to, to move in you. And so the first one, which leads me to my first point, but um, I want to read Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7 for us. That's really the main kind of, the main thesis, the main point, if you had to sum up all of chapter 4 in one verse, it would be that this, and it's verse 7. The beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. So the first thing I want us to do this summer is to pursue wisdom. Now you read that, and you're like, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom. You're like, thanks, that's all, I appreciate that, dude. That's helpful, right? But he's getting at something here. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, a little bit, but, but really he's getting at something here, which is, which is basically this. It, it doesn't take, sometimes, sometimes we think that it takes brains or opportunity or like a specific, like the stars have to align or things have to work out well for us to pursue God in a certain way, but the reality is here's all we need to do, is we just need to make the decision that we are going to pursue God. Like that we are going to pursue God and we're going to trust him. We're going to pursue his wisdom. We're going to take that and actually put it into our lives. Sow it. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to sow those things into our lives. And we just need to make that decision every single day, again, throughout our day, over and over again. We have to pursue it. What I love here is... Um, is that Solomon, again, talking to his son, he kind of, uh, in the first nine chapters, he specifically, um, he personifies wisdom as this woman, as this lady, uh, this person that you actually are walking with, right? It's not this like thing, it's like this person that you're walking with, right? And so he says things like um, to guard her and prize her and seek after her and, and, uh, uh, commend her and like all these things like go get wisdom like you have to run out and grab it and, and the reality is what's beautiful is that God gives us his wisdom right here in his word these are actually God's words he's given to us he's held this together for 2000, 2000 years plus Old Testament longer like he's held this together it hasn't changed it hasn't shifted no one's messed with it we can see that from, from historical, or historical and archaeological things, we can see that. And God has preserved his word so that we can read and see who God is and what he has for our lives. And so we have to pursue wisdom. And as I was thinking about this, like this, you know, if you want wisdom, then get wisdom. The pursuit of wisdom. I was thinking, man, also throughout the Proverbs, we see that Solomon is like urgent about this. He's urgent. He's telling his son, like, you have to do this. And why? Because Solomon wasted a lot of his life pursuing other things. Like, Solomon tried to find success in having uh, um, lots of money, lots of uh, things and animals and possessions, right? He, lots of women. Like, trying to find it in all of these different areas. And what he's telling his son is, None of those things actually were successful. None of those things were the successful life. None of those things were actually good. But what's good is the Lord. He has always been there. Whether, when I've run away from him, he's always been steadfast. And so pursue him. And there's this urgency. He's saying, don't make the mistakes that I made. Like he says, listen to me. Like listen to my instruction. Be, uh, be attentive to it. Like 
Pay attention. And don't let this go the other way. Like, there's an urgency. And I thought to myself, I was super convicted, like, am I that urgent about seeking the Lord in wisdom in my life? Like, am I that urgent? Are you that urgent? Are we as urgent for wisdom from the Lord as we are for, like, the promotion at work? Are we as urgent for wisdom from the Lord as we are for our kids to make good choices and do the right things and be, you know, not terrible humans, (laughs) right? Are we pursuing this? Are we daily asking God to enter every part of our lives to inject himself into everything and to change how we are living, how we are responding, how we are defining what it means to live well? Like, are we doing that? Um, and so I think a way we can start is just by, by repenting, by saying yes, like, or by saying, um, by, for those of you who are followers of Jesus, by stepping back and remembering the gospel, remembering what Jesus has done for you, and knowing that he, uh, knowing that he is the source of all wisdom, and repenting of those areas. The second thing we, we see in this um, is that um, to or that we need to believe that wisdom is worth the cost. We need to believe that the wisdom of God is worth the cost. Um, as I was kind of studying this, I you know, was looking up just different tr- translations, um, and the NIV kind of opens up a different part of, of this. So the ESV says, um, the beginning of wisdom is this, get wisdom, and whatever you get, get insight. Um, but the NIV translates it a little bit differently, and it says, the beginning of wisdom is, is this, get wisdom. Though it cost all you have, get understanding. Though it cost all you have. The reality is there is a cost to get wisdom from God. Um, Ray Ortland, pastor, preacher, author, he says this about this passage. If you want God's wisdom, it will cost you. It will cost you all your preconceived ideas about, life, or about how life is, supposed to work. Why pay that price? Because God's wisdom will make you alive. His wisdom will keep you and guard you. His wisdom will exalt you and honor you and crown you with beauty. That is how life really works. That, that, um, and that is a life worth living. Who else can promise you that? Every day, we're being told that if we, live, if we want to live, we need to be young, thin, tanned, sexually active, rich, and smart-mouthed. This is our cultural ideal, the wisdom of our age. Just one question, is it working? If you actually got a hold of all of that, would you walk away from it a complete human being? All of those young, thin, tanned, sexually active, rich, smart-mouthed people Name one person who has thrown themselves into that life and come away from it with what you want for yourself. Name one. And how do you explain 2,000 years of all types of people from different cultures who set their hearts on Christ, turned to his wisdom in the Bible, and found fullness of life? And so... Like if, if we really think about it, we see this all throughout our world, right? Whether it's in um, uh, you know, movie stars or social media influencers or, 
or whatever, like anybody that's kind of in the public arena who's, who's striving after these things that we would say the world would say is a successful life, um, we see, what, anxiety and depression constantly. Like deep, deep, right? We see a thirst that it's never enough. Um, have any of you guys watched the documentary on Prime called Donut King? Anybody? Mm, I'm alone. Cool. Uh, cool. That's, that's awesome. Uh, great. Well, you should watch it. It's pretty, pretty interesting. It took a turn, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it away. Sorry. But essentially, um, and that's just that, um, there uh, is a guy, uh, Ted, who moved here from Cambodia during the Civil War in that time about 50 years ago. When he moved here, he uh, moved to California. Uh, he really, like, like um, what do you call it? My goodness. He escaped all of that with all these different families, moved here, was a refugee in this area. And then, like, he started uh, making donuts. He learned from this guy, made these donuts. And then he started, when other uh, families would come over, he would help them start up their donut shop, but kind of like they would lease the donut shop from them, and he made this empire, and he actually killed every other donut shop in California, like just destroyed it by popping up. And he went from literally within like, I don't know, five to seven years, nothing, being a refugee, to like a multimillionaire. Like crazy amounts of money, like the, the, the um, documentary talks about the American dream and all this stuff, but it wasn't enough. And so Ted found Vegas, <laughs> okay? He found Vegas, and Vegas killed everything because he put all of his money into everything, and he started selling off the shops and owned nothing anymore and lost all of his money, cheated on his wife, and that's that. And all of that was in the pursuit of this, uh, this American dream, the successful life based on what's here, and it wasn't enough, right? It wasn't enough. And the reality is, the, there is a cost to following the way of the world, and there's a cost to following Jesus, right? The cost of following the way of the world is the, the, the cost of being separated from God, and also, when you pursue those things, it's never satisfying. And again, if we're honest, if we look at the people around us that are following after those things, they aren't satisfied in them, because they weren't designed for those things to be their God. They were designed for God to be their everything. And so when we pursue uh, God and his wisdom, we pursue Jesus fully with the entirety of our lives, um, it does cost us. It costs us, um, it costs us what the world says is good, right? It costs us um, maybe status with our friends and our family. Um, people call us fools for doing it. Um, but it's worth it because we gain a God of the universe. We gain everything in it. We actually gain a relationship. Uh, we actually gain a, a fruitful and thriving relationship and a purpose that we have in him. Um, Jesus says, Luke 14, 33, so therefore, um, sorry, yeah, so therefore anyone who does not renounce all that he uh, has cannot be my disciple. For us to follow after Jesus, he has died. He, is, he has died for our sin. He's rose from the dead. He's defeated death. That's on him. We can't do that. He has done everything to bring us in. But now, now that we are in, like he calls us to walk with him and to transform our lives, and he will bring about what he has designed us for in it. And then lastly, which kind of ties into this, is that we need to avoid the way of the world. Solomon talks about the, uh, basically the fool 
all the time. Uh, the, the fool, or the evil one, the one who uh, basically, the fool is the one who denies God, listens to himself. It says like listens to his stomach, like his desires, whatever he wants, he goes for, right? The fool is the one who pleases himself and has no regard for others. This is the fool, no regard for God. And the way that the fool kind of, the path that the fool takes is that it goes from folly, like foolishness and evil, to selfishness and pride, and that ends up with ruin and shame in their lives. And, and, so, and so Solomon is saying here, avoid the way of the world. Avoid the fool. He says this in uh, Proverbs 4, 14. If you're still there, you can look there. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of the evil. Or a way of, yeah, the evil. Avoid it. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. For they cannot sleep unless they have done wrong. They are robbed of sleep unless they have made someone stumble. For they eat the bread of wickedness and drink the wine of violence. Right? Solomon says here, look, the way of the wicked, the path of the wicked, don't even get close to it. And I think sometimes because of where we live in the world, like, we live in a place in which, like, you can still be a Christian, like, and you're not extremely persecuted necessarily. Like, I'd be getting there, but not really, right? And so it's very easy for us to play this game where it's like, if the path is here, we, like, get as close as possible to the path because it looks nice. And we, like, look back at God and we're like, is this okay? Like, can I get this close? And we get as close as we can. But Solomon constantly says, no, like, get away from it. Like, you should be over here. That shouldn't even be in your view. You need to walk away from the way of the world, the way of evil. It shouldn't even be something that you let yourself look at or just be like, oh, I'm just going to look. It's not a big deal. No, we should be pursuing Jesus and, and, and pushing away the way of the world and saying, no, I'm not pursuing those things, because they will cause me to stumble. They will. Proverbs 13, 20 says, whoever walks with the wise becomes wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Right? You've heard that. Right? I always say to students, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Like, that's, like, who you are around influences you way more. What you look at, where you go to, influences your life way more than we know. So we need to avoid it. So folly and evil leads to selfishness and pride and leads to ruin and shame. And if we, but if we use wisdom and fear of the Lord, it leads us to virtue, integrity, and generosity. And it leads us into success and peace, the life in which God has designed for us. Not only that, but like what I talked about before, is as God sows these things into our lives, like as we ask the Spirit to give us wisdom in every aspect of our lives, and we start to change our definition, if it's wrong, if it's the way the world defines things, the success in our lives or how we should live in certain areas of our lives, as we ask God to change those things and move in them, then we look different than the world. Our decisions are going to look different. And so in that, we can say it's not like when people are like, why do you do that? It's like, it's not because of me. It's because of my king, Jesus. He died for me. He rose from the dead for me. He's doing this in me. It's not because I'm a good churchgoer. It's not because I read my Bible and do all these things. It's because God is doing a work in me that I cannot do. It's beautiful, and he wants to do it in you too. Man, what a testimony we can be to the people around us in that as well. Last thing I want to leave you with, 
um, and then I'm going to pray for us, and, and we'll, we'll, um, I'll give some instruction on communion after that. But um, when you pursue God in this wisdom, uh, you're going to see this. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says this, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Look, when you pursue Jesus in this way, the world is going to look at you, point at you, and say, you are a fool. This is absurd. Why would you be submitting yourself to God? Like, you can do whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. Why don't you just go after it? Right? But when we live in the reality of who God is compared to who we are, and we remember the gospel of what Jesus has done, we say, I don't, those things actually aren't what I need. What I need is Jesus. What I need is what God has for me. The fulfilled life is not the life falling after those things. It's actually falling after Jesus. The world's going to look at you and say, you're dumb. It's going to look at us and say, what are you doing? And, and our call is to invite them into it and say, come and see. Come and see who my God is and what he has done for me. That's my hope for us this summer is that we would really, really do a little bit of work to actually look at our lives and ask the question, am I, am, I, am I living into the wisdom of God or am I living into the false wisdom of the world in areas of my life? So I just want to pray that over us. Pray that over us. God, thank you for your word. Um, thank you that you give us your word that we can look and see your character and, and who you are and what you've done and, and your love for us. And, and I pray that you would help us. Again, it's by your spirit alone. It's not by us mustering up strength to do these things. It's by you working in us. Would you help us, though, to, to get on our knees and to repent and trust you in these areas? Would you help us, even in this moment, for, for those in the room who, like you, by your spirit, revealed an area of their life? They're saying, hey, you, like God's saying, you are defining this by the world and not by what I've said is good. And, and God, you are heartbroken over that because you know what it does. It's gonna bring ruin and turmoil into their lives. Pray in this moment that they would just give that to you and know that you are enough, that what you've done in Jesus is enough. You've saved them from that. They can walk in power because of that. So I pray, would you move in us this summer? Would you make us a people that pursue your kingdom above everything else? We pray. In Jesus' name, amen.